Welcome back to the NGB Ideas podcast. This show is about the personal journeys of innovators, disruptors, and leaders in the Canadian life sciences community, and it's brought to you by Lab Occupier and the TMX Group, and sponsored by OmniaBio. I'm Jim Wilson, and this week we're reaching back into the archive to rebroadcast an expanded and re-edited interview with our first podcast guest, Aaron Stiles of Environmental Systems Corporation. If I may, I'd like to start with your life before ESC. Let's talk about who you are and where you're from. You were born in Ottawa and raised in Barrie, and your parents were both pharmacists. Exactly. I grew up in Barrie and have lived most of my life in the Barrie area. With my parents as pharmacists, I had an early introduction to healthcare and public health, and they were actually part of that early renaissance of compounding pharmacies in the late 80s, early 90s, when compounding started to take off. had an early introduction to it and really enjoyed it. My parents instilled a passion for public health and the good that it can do in our world. That was where my first interest came from. You ended up going to Queens in Kingston, where you received a Bachelor of Applied Science in Chemical Engineering. Where did that first lead you, and what do you remember about this time in your career? Early on, I did my degree at Queens. Between third and fourth year, I worked for a summer term in Calgary for Shell Canada, doing what a classical chemical engineer does doing P&ID drawings, running calculations and simulations, and realized that I really didn't enjoy that classical chemical engineering all that much and was much more interested in interacting with people and working with teams and things like that. Finished my degree and at that point started looking for what was the best training opportunity at a large organization where I could get trained and learn about operations of business and manufacturing. General Electric at the time had a fantastic technical leadership program for two years that I spent time learning about quality, manufacturing, design, and really saw all aspects of the business and did a lot of training. This was back in the Jack Welch days in the height of Six Sigma and Lean Sigma, so did a Six Sigma black belt. It was a great training and proving ground. GE always said that they always produced more leaders than they needed. That was one of the products of that had some great training and great foundation in business and operations, and then went from there. Now you lead Environmental Systems Corporation, which is an organization that was founded in 1983 by Vern Solomon, and you and your team are focused on designing and building clean room environments. For our listeners, if you could, please give us a 30,000-foot view of what you and your team do, and why does your company exist? At its most basic essence, clean rooms and critical environments and what we do are either keeping contaminants and dust and dirt and microbial contaminants out, or we're keeping hazardous substances and materials in if you're looking at oncology drugs or therapeutics or high potency. And the way we do that is we've got three aspects that we focus on. One is the materials of construction and the envelope of the room itself, so the ceilings, walls, and floors that we design specific to the client process. We do the HVAC and refrigeration, so all the air handling equipment to control temperature, humidity, differential pressure within those rooms to either keep it contained or to keep it clean. And then we do the controls and monitoring around that to monitor that the facility is operating in its validated state for those regulated environments in pharmaceuticals and biotech. I appreciate you telling us about your company's journey to today and how did the company start, and what was the spark that created ESC? ESC was started in, like you said, 1983. Vern Solomon, he started the organization as HVAC refrigeration uh, contracting company, doing service contracts in new installations. 
got into designing and building mechanical equipment for temperature control for very specific custom applications. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, started installing clean rooms using other people's systems, other wall systems from around the world. And at that time, couldn't really find a system that had all the features that he wanted in one package and sat with his top six clients at the time. It had all the different samples spread out on the boardroom table. And this was actually in one of the biotech companies here in Toronto, Emosol, formerly Therapure and now Resilience. They came up with the Illumo One wall system. It's our own wall system that we sell across North America. And that was really the first foray into clean rooms. And with the mechanical contracting background, that allowed for greater precision around temperature and humidity and differential pressure control. And that then grew into the controls piece of providing monitoring solutions for those regulated environments. And in the last 20 years, that industry has grown significantly with a lot of the new technologies around pharmaceuticals, biotech, getting into cell and gene therapy and precision medicine in today's world. I mean, there's new molecules and new therapies being discovered all the time. Everybody needs that critical environment around their process, whether they're doing research, whether they're doing early stage clinical trials or GMP production. I'm finding that in my work in the commercial real estate sector. I'm interested to know what got you involved with the company. My progress to ESC, I was working for Sanofi previously, a large French pharmaceutical organization in their vaccines business. Had worked in Toronto at Canoc facility for a number of years. Spent a few years working in Mexico, building flu vaccines in Mexico City. Coming back from Mexico, was looking for a new opportunity and had always aspired to lead and run and operate my own organization. I was looking for an opportunity to partner with someone that was looking to grow and scale their business and looking to maybe enjoy life a little more and work a little bit less. I'd known Vern for a number of years and I called and I said, hey, I'm interested in working with you and helping scale the business and maybe helping you free up some of your time to focus on other things. And that was where we took off from. And that was about five years ago. Since then, we've had a lot of fun working together, grown the business significantly. Uh, we just moved this past summer to a space that's four times the size of where we were. We seem to be hitting it off and doing well and growing significantly in Canada and the U.S. You've only been with the company now for a few years and just taken over the reins running it, but what has been the biggest obstacle so far in your job and why does it matter? COVID was a blindside, one that we couldn't anticipate in any of our risk assessments or our risk mitigation strategies. And then out of COVID is getting great people and building a great team. It's an obstacle. It's a challenge. It's not insurmountable. And we just have to keep being more and more creative around how do we attract great people and then how do we keep them here and differentiate the experience of working with us at ESC versus working somewhere else and how do we create that different experience. Today, it's how do we create the different experience of coming back to the office versus working remotely. We have a designer that's sitting at home all day working for eight hours on a screen. Is there a reason that they have to be in the office? What's that different experience or output or productivity they can capture or generate coming to the office. So there's a reason, not just a mandate, which is what we're trying to figure out right now. What's been your biggest win so far? I think our biggest win is the team that we've created. I was employee number 13, five and a half years ago when I started, and now we're 55 people, quickly approaching 60 people. And it's a great team of like-minded individuals. We're passionate about what we do, and team really has stepped up and helped us grow. We all make choices in our lives and steer us to where we are at the moment. 
I'm wondering if you can think of three things that you think are responsible for making ESC the organization that it is today. One of the things, and this is probably the first one, is we're very passionate about creating the right culture and the right environment for people to work in. Our tagline is creating environments for success. And when we look at that and we think about that, and this starts right from Vern and I and all the leaders of the organization, how do we create that success, not only for ESC, but for our team members, for our clients, for our partners and vendors that work with us? Because there's room for everybody to win and be successful. So how do we create that opportunity for everybody in that right environment? And it also plays well off what we actually do produce and design and build. That would be one of them is creating that environment where people want to work and they're rewarded in a way that they feel fulfilled about what they're doing. The other opportunities are taking those calculated risks and swinging big. We've had some great opportunities at what we do in an adjacent industry. A few years ago with the cannabis industry, we took on some big projects there that really allowed us to accelerate our growth. There were some risks there. It was a new industry. It was a pretty immature industry. It's starting to stabilize a bit now and get a little more rationalized and, and people are a little more planned in terms of how they're spending their money in that industry, but that really allowed us to grow quickly there. The last thing is always looking at what are the new opportunities for product or solutions that we can bring to the market. One of the things that we're looking at right now is data-driven solutions. We're traditionally a design, build, and a manufacturing organization. Four years ago, looking at our strategic plan, we were like, you know what? These are our hard goods, but Five years from now, we're probably going to be a software company of some sort. What does that look like? And we're well onto that journey now, creating a product around monitoring and capturing data within the facilities of the regulated environment as the baseline, but then looking at how do we expand that and start capturing data on how do people use the facility? How do they move in it? With visual cameras now looking at the optics and AI solutions on it, is someone downing properly? Are they performing the operations properly? where we can start to build a more robust quality system around it and data-driven system. Looking forward, big data, we don't know what is hidden in that data, but there's going to be insights and applications for it that we haven't even thought of yet. So let's collect the data and let's start analyzing it and turning some of the machine learning algorithms loose on it and see what we can find. We'd like to take a moment to pause and remind our listeners the NGB Ideas podcast is part of next Great Big Ideas, Canada's Life Sciences Innovation Summit. This event is taking place at the Hamilton Convention Centre on the first Monday in October, and we're very pleased our budding list of speakers is starting to look like a who's who of the Canadian life sciences community. Watch for details and sponsorship opportunities at nextgreatbigideas.com. What is the favourite part of your job? Favorite part of my job is meeting new people in all the different industries and the science that we get exposed to. In a, any given week, I can be talking to pharmaceutical companies in life sciences, early stage R&D organizations at some of the innovation hubs that we have around the country, to nuclear physics, looking at particle accelerators and building clean rooms in the semiconductor space for sensors for the CERN Hydron Collider in Switzerland. My favorite part is that variety of technology process and the different businesses we get to see and what we do. I'd like to take a step back and talking about the worst time in your business life and how you overcame it. Does anything come to mind? There's always challenges. When I think about the worst times or the most challenging ones that have been the most uncomfortable, it's usually around cash flow and people. 
and the intersection of those two. And when you have to come to the point where you have to make tough decisions or you're about to have to make tough decisions if things don't work out. There's been a few of them, one of them around generating funding for a large capital project in Mexico, trying to build a private-public partnership between Sanofi and the Mexican government as partners and working through that. You've built a team, and we have built a team there to do a lot of the design work and the early stage work on the facilities. The next round of funding we had to secure and getting all of those different parties and stakeholders to sign off in time without having to lay people off was a definite challenge. Sometimes come right down to the wire. I find those ones the most difficult. People's lives that hang in the balance. You don't want to have to say to somebody, hey, you know what, you're going to have to go find a new job because we haven't funded the next phase or we haven't been able to secure that. So those are usually the most challenging when those two things intersect and you have to make those tough decisions. I would agree with that. Further to your comment, I wonder if how you've defined success since going into senior management has changed from when you first started down your business path. Now that I'm in a more senior leadership role, I define success more as a steward of the business, regardless of whatever business I'm working in. That stewardship of making sure the business is there today and people are successful today and it will be here tomorrow and growing and continuing to generate success for everyone involved going forward. And I think that's changed a little bit from focusing on a personal success metric to how do we create value for more of the people involved in the business and make that long-term. So when I decide that I want to move on and maybe retire or do something else, the mechanisms are there to continue that. People are often looking to you for direction and advice. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? One of the best pieces of advice, and it was very early in my career, when I left my first job at General Electric to go to a new opportunity and the plant manager at the time, he had a very sharp sense of humor. He said, well, this challenge here in this pile of dung isn't the one for you, but the next pile of dung might be the right one and make sure you find the right one where you can be happy because there's always going to be challenges no matter where you are. So pick the challenges you enjoy working on. You know, the grass isn't always greener. It always appears greener, but when the grass is greener on the other side, there's always a challenge there and there's always something to work through. I was told many, many years ago that the grass is greener where you water it. I've carried that with me. What obstacles, if any, do you see on the horizon? Currently, I think the economic environment that we're in right now is a big challenge. We've got a whole generation of people in the workforce now that have never seen significant interest rates. The last 15 to 20 years, money has been relatively cheap or inexpensive in terms of interest rates. There's a whole generation of business leaders now that have never operated in that environment with significant interest rates and factoring the cost of money as a significant impact on their business. There's going to be some learnings that happen there and probably some mistakes made as, as companies try and navigate that. The supply chain issues and that's going to sort itself out. And we're starting to see the early stages of that now in some of the supply chains that we work in and people have adapted to that. That new economic model and restrictions, I don't know that we're going to get into a recession or not, but just the World Bank and the federal banks putting the brakes on things with these higher interest rates, I think is going to be a new environment because people haven't typically operated in interest rates of 7 8% when the cost of money has been that high. That's going to make decision-making very different the next few years. 2023 is certainly going to be a transition year. Speaking of horizons, where do you think ESC is going to be in five years? 
in five years, our goal and our vision is to be probably about 4x the size of where we are right now in, in terms of revenue. And we're going to be shifting our core businesses of the design build of the clean rooms, the HVAC equipment, the manufacturing piece, and the controls are still going to be there. The growth is really going to come from that software and data acquisition and then the analytics piece around that. And I think that's really going to drive our growth in the next three to five years. What is the next great big idea on your horizon? It's that data acquisition and analytics. There's opportunities there that we're only scratching the surface of. Everyone loves to talk about AI and gets very excited about AI. We're very much at the beginning of that. Even when we talk about AI today, I don't believe it's true AI yet. I think it's a very good statistical process control. And we've figured out that computers and we can write algorithms that are far better at recognizing patterns than humans are. And that's where we're at right now is this pattern recognition. I'm eager to see 24 months and 36 months, what can we do with that pattern recognition and those algorithms that we're developing now to drive in a precision manufacturing environment like pharmaceuticals, like biotech, where right now we use two people to check. If we can have systems and software and camera technology, we can start to use computers and some of this data checking and machine learning to do that checking and make medicines even safer and more effective and more predictable in terms of how we produce them and the dosages and the safety and efficacy that we get to. So I think that's where the power is going to lie. We're still going to need the facilities. We still have to put the hard goods in place. People still have to come in to work and produce things. But I think laying the technology on that is going to be phenomenal in the next few years. I would agree 100%. And my final question, for those people working at startups, perhaps still in university or newly graduated, who are trying to find their path in the Canadian life sciences community, is there any advice that you could offer to our listeners? A couple of things, actually. One of them is networking. Always be curious. Always be asking questions and talking to people about what are they doing? Why are they doing it? How does that impact the world or what they're doing? And look for those connections where there may not appear to be an obvious connection. That always generates some interest or a new product or a new opportunity. And then building off of that, get involved in the industry associations. In Canada, we have great industry associations. I'm going to put a, a shameless plug in for ISP, the Canadian chapter, because I have been involved on that on the board. We have a lot of great manufacturing capacity within Canada in the pharma and biotech space. We've seen significant investment in that in the last few years. That's going to continue. Get involved in those industry associations so you can network, grow your network of people, and then you never know where that's going to lead because you never know who's going to be looking for somebody to come and help out on the project. Look at what we're doing today, talking about this podcast on the next great big idea. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. That was a re-edited broadcast of our first-ever interview on NGB Ideas with Aaron Stiles, CEO of Environmental Systems Corporation in Barrie, Ontario. We're very thankful Aaron was an early believer in what we're doing here, and we greatly appreciated his support. You can learn more about Aaron and his team at e-s-c.com, and you can follow them on social at esc underscore cleanrooms. This week's episode was researched and edited by Tisha Prasad. If you'd like to learn more about us, we're at labocupier.com 
and you can follow us on social at Lab Occupier. If you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at jwilson at Leonard, that's L-E-N-N-A-R-D, dot com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>